Hello everyone, welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast where we explore important issues on the periphery of clinical medicine in Singapore. This is your editor, Jiajing. In this episode, we speak to Yu Min, a nature and forest therapy guide and the founder of Xiu Nature Connections. She shares with us how she discovered forest bathing, its benefits, and how she's bringing it to more Singaporeans. Hey Yu Min. Maybe start this episode with what was your inspiration to get into forest bathing? The starting point for that is the love for nature and plants. Long story short, it was through one of my hiking trips to Mount Kenya in 2016. It was a hike where for the first time I was exposed to slowness in nature. So it wasn't forest bathing or forest therapy per se, but I was in nature just taking luxuriously slow kind of pace. There were some kind of changes that took place internally, I feel, both mentally as well as uh, emotionally. So when I came back to Singapore, I tried to sort of recapture this entire experience on my own, believing that there is some kind of benefits by spending slow time in nature. So I tried it myself in Singapore and I found it really, really hard because people around me were just rushing around along the trails in McRitchie and all. While I could consciously slow down my pace, I was also consciously aware that people around me found me like a obstacle in the course. It became really, really clear to me that we have some kind of speed sickness in our society. But yeah, I just started to be much more aware of how fast we are living. I became more aware of how hard it is for us to slow down. And so there was this gap. Like we know that we should slow down, but it was just very, very difficult. I felt like that there needs to be some kind of bridge to help people. That was how I found out about the word Shinin Yoku uh, by chance one day as I was going through this phase of figuring things out on my own. From there, I just started to learn more about forest bathing, I came to realize that there are professionally trained forest therapy guides who make such experiences very accessible for people around the world, no matter what kind of uh, society you are living in, whether you are living in a wilderness or living in an urban jungle, that these experiences are actually very accessible for people. So that was how it started. That's interesting because you mentioned that those people were hiking very quickly and they weren't really engaging in forest bathing. So how would you define forest bathing and how is it different from taking a hike in the forest? So hiking would be quite goal-oriented typically. I'm not even talking about a five days, four nights hike to summit a mountain or something. But even our local kind of hikes, say say you're meeting a friend in the forest and you're going for a hike of two to three hours, there's usually an agenda. There is a starting point and there is an end point. Whereas for forest bathing, it would be a lot, a lot slower. So for forest bathing or forest therapy walks, yes, we could saunter or stroll down a trail, but we could also choose to have a very stationary kind of session, maybe just under a particular tree or some kind of open lawn. And really, we are just only wandering or strolling around that area. It's not about getting from point A to B. So I think that would be one of the key difference. And oftentimes when I guide people, I think it makes a lot of sense for them too when I explain that in forest bathing, we are not chasing steps. We are not turning on that step tracker and trying to get to that 10,000 steps. It's also not about trying to raise our heart rate to a particular level. Though those are important, 
good for our physicality, fitness and all. I think for forest bathing, it is that's not the objective. Then what would you say is the goal of forest bathing? To really slow down, to be present in the environment, to really interact and even have a relationship with the environment, with the space, with the land, with the place, with earth. It could even be a relationship with yourself or find out something about yourself or maybe the the group that you are with. So it's a more emotional kind of aspect. It's a more immersive and more sensory way of spending time in nature. What does the term Shinrin Yoku mean and how is it related to forest bathing? Shinin means forest. Yoku means a bath. So in the Japanese way of Shinin Yoku, what they are really practicing is this belief that you're sort of bathing and immersing all your senses in the environment. And they have done a lot of research over the years of how spending such slow, mindful times when you're sort of soaking yourself in the forest air, there are these beneficial plant chemicals that you are absorbing into your body. And their research have proven how it helps to reduce stress hormones in our body, how it helps to build up immune responses. For forest therapy, when we talk about a more relational approach, I think we are also being intentional about the fact that we are not just trying to extract from nature, but rather we want to discover a, a softer way, a more heart-centered way of being in nature, to be in a relationship with all the other living things. So there's also this other angle in forest therapy where it's not so much about the health per se, but for the planetary health. So from forest therapy, when people spend time through forest therapy, very, very naturally, they there is this shift in mindset where humans are not just that top species at the top of the triangle, but we are more of like a circle with all the other living things, whether it's the trees or the birds or, or the soil, microorganisms and all. Actually, that leads up very well to my next question. What is the scientific evidence behind forest bathing? Even be, I think before I even go there, perhaps I can introduce the term phytoncide. Literally, phyton and sites means to kill. Phyton also co- covers the meaning of plants. So what they found was that phytoncides are produced by all plants, but trees especially, they generate and produce a lot more phytoncides. And different plant species would have different phytoncides that they are producing. So the phytoncides for the plants, at least, it's really meant as a kind of defense mechanism for the plants. So plants like us, as living things, get attacked by viruses and bacteria. So phytoncides, when they produce these, it's really meant to protect themselves. But being volatile, these phytoncides are also evaporated into the air. So you can imagine if we spend time in nature, when we walk through the air or when we sit there in the air, the air is actually concentrated with all these phytoncides and we are sort of breathing and absorbing them into the body. So what the research have proven is that when we take in all these phytoncides, a few things happen. They found that the natural killer cells in our body, actually there are more of them, so the quantity of these cells are increased. And then the activities of these NK cells are also raised. And so this led to them reporting about that increase in immunity for humans. There are other pieces of research on how you know, they sleep better as well as have reduced cortisol level in our bodies. There are so many things in nature that this are still researching on. There are fractal patterns in nature. 
that scientists, psychologists are actually finding out that it actually helps us relax the executive networks in our brains. What is the prevalence of forest bathing in Singapore? There is an uptick in interest of forest bathing. When I first started doing this work five years ago, people are just generally curious. They have no idea what they're in for. They ask me questions like, do I still need to, do I need to bring a swimsuit and all? They really literally think that we are going to bathe, right? But now, I don't receive these questions as much. And I actually and hosting a lot more people who have either read a book about forest bathing. They have some understanding and background knowledge of forest bathing before they come and try it out themselves. Could you walk us through what the experience will be like for a person who signs up for forest bathing experience? So in forest therapy, typically the experience is about two hours or so. It is very immersive and sensory. Sometimes people you will be questioning like, why does it take so long? Why can't I just have like 15 minutes of forest therapy? So yes, you can. But for a process, for that journey to unfold, it takes time. So what we will be doing in the forest therapy kind of immersive walk is we'll call them sensorial invitations. A trained guide would be able to lead the person through those invitations we begin with something that's very sensory. We open up all our senses to the environment. We lead them through that, bringing awarenesses to each of their senses and feeling into that space. And oftentimes after this very first invitation or activity, most people are awed by how powerful their senses actually are, you know, and that they can feel things <laughs> or they can smell things or they can taste the air something like that so it's something very simple but it can be very powerful because it will awaken the entire body for the person typically for the second invitation we go on a slow walk it's really more like a stroll really after the second invitation of slow walking they would have really sort of unplugged from their daily humdrum and they are now ready, their senses are primed, they are slowed, and they are now sort of ready to really spend a more relational time with the space, with nature. And so from here onwards, a professionally trained guide would actually be able to tune in to nature to see what nature actually is presenting for them. And so we go through maybe one or two more kind of invitations in partnership with what the space is offering before then we come to the closure invitation where if possible maybe we serve some tea or maybe we do something tangible like a nature art piece together to sort of be more concretized now to draw a closure to the entire slow journey spent in nature for a person who is going through that journey it can be very very powerful although it sounds really simple so what's the difference between invitation and activities we try not to use the word activities in a forest therapy journey because activities just sound sounds like an exercise like you need to get this right or wrong there's only one way of doing this but in a forest therapy walk what we are also doing is to empower is to empower choice making and so we use the word invitations very purposefully the participant is simply being invited to try something. And in the spirit of, of invitations, it also means that this person can choose to maybe modify the suggestion or maybe choose not to do it at all. Maybe he or she is comfortable to interact with nature in a different way. So this lends me very well to this and this very important philosophy actually in forest therapy, where I am a guide and we don't call ourselves a therapist. 
We say that the forest is the therapist. The guy opens the door. So mm. through the invitations, we are opening that doorway through our suggestions and, of course, encouraging them to try it. But past that doorway, the kind of takeaway, the kind of sensations, highlights or emphasis that they each receive in their journey is going to be very, very unique to them. And it is trust that the forest has some kind of wisdom that as humans, we will never understand fully. But trusting that, that the forest will be wise enough to deliver that right dosage of whatever that person needs in the form of a story or a highlight to that person. Which is why in a group of five people, same guide, that's me, same invitations, same place, the five people will have a different kind of experience. Then how do you measure the success for your sessions? Because it tends to be very subjective from person to person. How do you make sure that it's beneficial and successful to each participant of yours? Mm. Well, society is conditioned to measure, to quantify everything. And so, yes, definitely, we still do some kind of measurements. Usually after a walk, there is a post-walk kind of survey, feedback form. I'm very happy to say that 100% of people always find the walk beneficial for them. But steering away from that also, I think forest therapy, in the end, is not something that can be fully measured. And I can appreciate the difficulties in understanding or accepting this fact too because my background was from science as well I was a very data driven like I need evidence to to convince me and all so I can appreciate that but since doing this work I've been going through some shifts too you know there's a lot of things that are actually immeasurable I think it's interesting because it's one of those things the benefits don't seem apparent in the short term would you say that's true you sharing this reminded me of a few occasions where participants seemingly don't feel anything or didn't relax enough. But surprisingly, one or two days later, they sometimes get in touch and, and then they actually share. Like the entire slow pacing is still with me. I'm living with more perspectives and all. So sometimes the, change, the impact is still a bit delayed and sometimes we just don't have the words in that moment to share it as well but later it comes. Recently, I've been hosting some support sessions for people living with cancer. And most recently, this couple shared with me this story about how before they embarked on this program, they have always visited nature. They visit um, Bishan Park quite often. They go for their walks and all. But after this encounter with forest therapy, they messaged me and sent me this picture of themselves just sitting, no longer chasing steps, but but being able to sit in the park and enjoy the space, enjoying that particular spot. They even prepare tea and all spend their time together. So what does the future of forest bathing look like for you? And how can we better integrate it into our healthcare system? So I've been working with, like I said, um, people living with cancer, also people living with dementia. So we are already exploring using forest therapy as a kind of support uh, for their recovery uh, journey. So I hope that this will continue and grow more through the next years or so. My own personal dream (laughs) is that we will have a dedicated forest therapy park or forest therapy trail. One thing is about appreciating our green spaces, knowing that it will be always difficult to have a space in Singapore where 
there is no man-made noise, it's going to always be difficult. But I think it will be also still really nice if there is a dedicated green space that is so sensitively designed for forest therapy kind of immersive walk, where it is sensitively designed with that whole process in mind. Wait, how do you conduct these therapy sessions for dementia patients and cancer patients? Because there's a special level of care that you require to deliver, right? So how do you safely conduct these sessions for them? They opt in for the program. So it's a trust that they know their level of fitness. It's clearly stated to them that this will be outdoors, where will it be held at, how long would it be? And then opt in. Most of them, so far, they have been physically fit. And like I said, it's not about hiking, right? So it's still a very gentle kind of pace. And because it's invitational, they can always choose to, to tune it down for themselves if they choose to. And in the first place, forest therapy is already a very toned down kind. I mean, it's not physically kind of active. Yeah. And for the dementia patients, definitely the, the process is a bit more modified. Everything is definitely more condensed. It's not as long. And right now, what we're doing is we're trialing the sessions in-house. So meaning it's in the space of the home rather than outdoors. It's, it's an outdoor garden that is in the home. So it has that level of safety, definitely for the PWDs, people living with dementia. Um, and of course, the staff of the home are always present also in the session. Do you feel limited geographically because how small Singapore is? So the not like I would say the the areas where you can do forest bathing or forest therapy is limited in that sense, as compared to somewhere like Japan where there's so many forested areas and they can conduct it in different weathers and things like that. In Singapore, it's more of a tropical country and we have the same weather all year long. There was this quote about what is nature? And the author of the quote explains nature as actually any space where birds can fly free without being shot down and eaten. And I think this can apply to, to our context too. Sure. So some of the outdoor sessions would be in green spaces like Dairy Farm, Nature Reserve, Coney Island, Botanical Garden. And then for the indoor sessions, it would be at Jewels Forest as well as Garden Spider Bay. So I think this is all about mindset and perspective. For me, one thing about my work on forest therapy is, yes, humans' health, self-care, mental health, emotional health. Then there's that whole planetary health, repairing our relationships with nature. And then there's this other part of my work, which through forest therapy, I hope to give people a sense of place as well, deepening our roots to this land. So it's through rediscovering our place, our land, our earth through forest therapy that sometimes we begin to realise that actually the grass is also very green on this side, you know. Yes, this is the kind of nature that we have. This is the kind of weather that we have. Yes, we can complain about them. But at the end, going through the forest therapy, having that connection with land and all, it does help people to have a better relationship with our home too. And to appreciate that the nature in our home is of this form. That we will be in a forest, but yes, we are going to see the HDB just across it too. That's interesting. So the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides and Programs is the leading global voice for forest therapy. So they set standards for forest therapy practice. The NFT trains and certifies forest therapy guides worldwide. So why do we need these fixed standards? I think this boils back down to the whole philosophy and concept 
that the forest is the therapist and the guy opens the door. This is something that is a very new concept in society. I think we've heard of the healer archetype, right? The archetypes of the healer, the teacher, the preacher. And I think for forest therapy, what we need to be clear is that we are not these archetypes. We are the archetypes of the guide. So setting these standards is to really ensure that the professional guide is clear where is your scope of work? Where does your boundary stop? We are not here to heal the person. It's really the forest. It's the journey that helps the person. So how do you craft invitations or those activities so that it's kept open for each person to take a unique journey? But how do you keep it safe as well? How do you not interfere in that person's authentic journey. So if I could give a more concrete example, so maybe when we are outside in nature, a person who is of the healer archetype might say, oh, look at the leaves fall. How does that release you of your grief? But the person is professionally trained with the standards, if he or she understands the entire concept and philosophy of allowing the forest or the nature to be the therapist, that the person would be more sensitive to simply invite a person to watch the leaves fall. And you'll be surprised actually when the leaves fall, for some participant, the leaves look like they're dancing. It's a happy thing. But you don't prescribe that release of grief when you don't know the person. Fully, don't know the story of the person. So I think it's important for these standards to, to be in place so that we really can work in partnership with the forest for the journey to take place effectively for the participants. You mentioned that you worked with private institutions and companies and government institutions. When institutions book forest bathing sessions for their employees, it's almost as if it's like forced upon them. Are people who tend to be more successful in their experience, are people who are voluntarily present there? Actually, I would say not true. I've hosted so many students as well as employees who quote-unquote are forced. So this, this reminds me of a story actually. I was guiding a group of youths and so their teachers sort of signed them up and they were definitely made to attend, right? And so the most unwilling boy, <laughs> if I recall, is about two hours journey. Sharing circles are part of the process and he was very unwilling to share anything. He was just basically quiet throughout, just making jokes of stuff. But towards the end, having had a profound experience, he really wanted to share something at the end. So I feel that because of the weight of the, the process, the whole empowerment and all that is invitational and the forest delivers that dosage accurately to all, it helps even the most unwilling person. Then would you say forest therapy and forest bathing can potentially change the therapy scene because traditional clinical therapy is at the concrete building compared to having the appointment in somewhere like a forest and the psychologist or the doctor is walking alongside with them and having the forest as a co-therapist to the doctor. Would you think that is actually possible? Yeah, I think so. In fact, there are psychologists who are training to become a forest therapy guide. And I think once both kind of domains are there, they would then later effectively find a way to sort of merge both together. Right now, I cannot comment too much on 
their professional knowledge and training as a psychologist, as a doctor, as a counsellor, as a cognitive behaviour therapist. They have their own domain. I feel that it is definitely possible to sort of combine both and then find the best way forward for the client uh, or the person needing help. What advice would you give to a person who's just starting out his or her forest bathing or therapy session? If they're interested to know a bit more about it, I would recommend reading some books. Your Guide to Forest Bathing. That is by Amos Clifford. I would highly recommend uh, this other book called The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. And then, of course, they can also read out more about Shinin Yoku, uh, The Art and Science of Forest Bathing by Dr. Ting Bi. So those are like some of the key books to get started on. Before we end off the interview, do you have any quote that struck with you? If I could borrow a quote from this author, which I felt was very relevant to forest therapy, is that it's like a practice of falling in love with the world. And for me, I would like to expand the definition of the world. Yeah, the world as in literally the world, but it could be the world of like yourself. So getting in touch with yourself, knowing yourself a bit more, the world of um, the, your community, as well the world of the rest of nature. So humans being just one part of nature, but the rest of the nature world. So it's about being in a relationship and loving all that. Thank you so much for joining us today. 